From the international number one best-selling author John Grisham comes the electrifying new thriller, The Reckoning. Mississippi, 1946, and a murder case echoes down the years, leaving a dark, ominous shadow on the town of Clanton. Pete Banning, back home from World War II, rises early and drives into town and shoots and kills Reverend Dexter Bell. Some crimes go down in history. The Reckoning by John Grisham. Out now in hardback, ebook, and audiobook. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to George Ezra and Friends, the podcast. I am your host for this evening's entertainment. My name is George Ezra, and for those of you that are new to this game, I am a musician, I'm a singer, I'm a songwriter, and uh, last week, uh, last week I released my second record, Staying at Tamara's. I released it into the world, which is crazy that it's out there. It's an amazing feeling. Um... Yeah, so you can go and check that out, but what I'm getting at is that that is keeping me very busy. I'm a busy boy at the moment. I'm here, there and everywhere. It's, it's amazing. I'm very happy. Um, and thank you to all of you that are supporting me and coming out to see me in the band. It, it really means a lot, so thank you. Um, yeah, so I've got this podcast as well where I sit down and I talk to other musicians um, about what they do and why they do it. And uh, this week's guest is the lovely Declan McKenna. Declan very kindly invited me round to his place, so I got a cab over to him. Um, it was nice, actually. He gave me the option, do you want to record it in the morning or the evening? The morning, we can have a chat over a cup of tea. The evening, we can have a few drinks. So I went for the evening, and by the end of this episode, I'd polished off near enough a bottle of red wine, and he had had a few beers, and it was a very relaxed atmosphere. It was great. Oh, and I want to say, there's a bit near the end of the first half where me and Declan are completely synchronised, and we make the same noise. It's kind of like a ding! noise and we hadn't planned to do it and it's it makes me laugh a lot we didn't make anywhere near enough of a thing of it at the time now every time i listen back to it it makes me laugh a lot and um yeah it's kind of cute it makes me laugh um anyway i am rambling as always there might be one or two swear words in this so if you've got the company of little people around you just be warned and um yeah as always thank you very much for meeting me here i hope you're well let's do it let's do it here we go declan mckenna Thank you for doing this, by the way, Dick. <laughs> we should no we should set the scene. Set the scene. Um, you've kindly invited me round to your flat. Yes, I have. Which is in North you London. You weren't there if you. Not many people have been here. <gasps> it's like not even all of my siblings have been here. You know, it's a new. Don't tell them. I won't. I won't tell them. I let you. Let you in. Yeah, <laughs> bloody Georgia. <laughs> <for not. laughs> so, but and I know today we were organising today, and I was kind of like. What works best for you? And you said, you gave me the option, either morning or evening, what kind of chat do you want to have, yeah. which I like. Yeah, it, <laughs> it depends, like, you know, you, there's, there's different kind you know, a chat with a cup of tea, a chat with a beer, very different chats, and um, you chose the right one. Because <laughs> <Did> I, <laughs> I woke up late this morning, imagine if I had to wake up any yeah. earlier. Was it a test? Been, that would have been terrible. It would have been 
probably a good idea for me to try and get into a normal routine like every other adult. You were saying that you've had this flat for, say, three months. Mm-hmm but haven't been here much because you were still touring in October. Yeah, it's been a fairly busy couple of months, you know. I felt like September was, like, in between the sort of uh, summer festivals and all that stuff, and then, like, October we started our, like, tour, so it was kind of the time to move out because I kind of had decided during the summer that I really wanted to wanted to move and have my own sort of space. Um, and in a large way to actually work on this sort of next album, which is like where I'm at now. Um, but yeah, it's been a, been a bit of a hectic time and now had a couple of weeks to kind of chill out, kind of like work towards um, more creative stuff and then just started in the studio on uh, Monday and we're just doing a week to kind of kickstart and get some ideas mm. for the al- album and... So it's more writing than it is recording. No, no, we're we're recording. I've got like I I've I've had songs already before going in. It's just I don't know um, working with with James again to see if he's the person I want to work with on the on the on the record again Um, and just yeah seeing feeling it out really um, for the time being and then uh, just write more over the next couple of months and then do a full sort of session. It's kind of the idea. Um, But yeah, it's going well. How was the yeah. tour that you were talking about in October? Great. It was it was really good fun actually. It was it was our biggest headline tour ever, like in length and in just scale of the venues and stuff. So it was very it was very interesting. We did like we'd never done like a Europe headline tour before. We'd done a couple of shows here and there. Um and like we did a support tour there as well. But that was cool. Playing like we're kind of in most of those places, going back to venues we'd supported at before, which was mm. really cool. So seeing like sort of that response and just uh, the, just the experience of touring, you know, without too much pressure, being fairly close to home was like quite nice. And I was just like, we got to a point with the rehearsals where we all felt really comfortable. And then over the tour, we were just like felt really good with the shows. All the shows, like no, there was nothing that was like screamingly terrible. And it was just yeah, it was just a really really good good fun tour like I don't know I got ill like two or three times but ah. but other than that it was great uh, have you found that moving out and being in your own space has helped creatively are you like finding it yeah I mean I don't struggle being creative at home it's like I could write a song on an acoustic guitar like in my bedroom but I'm the youngest of six kids so I have the smallest bedroom and always have and it is I'd compare it to this room, but this podcast, so <laughs> it's not really any point. It's very small. It's like, you know, maybe two little cupboards put together is my bedroom back home. And it just, I kind of got to a point where I was like, I've got a load of equipment at this lockup in London and, like, I want to be able to use it for, like, writing songs. And, and I got to a point where I was just like, I wanted to move out of home, Will wanted to move out of home, so we just kind of, let's just... Do it, let's just yeah. find somewhere. We should say that Will's your... Will is my keyboard player and flatmate at the minute. Um, um, mm. That's nice for you to be living together as well. That's, yeah. Uh, I think it's that's actually nice. worked out fairly nicely. Like, we're both fairly similar people. Um, <laughs> this tour that you're talking about, that you've just done, is that kind of wrapping up the first record? Um, is there anything else in the uh, diary? In a, in the UK, yeah. Um, uh, besides, we've got two sort of big final shows um, 
in like London and Manchester in April. But Where are no, you playing in London? So we're doing Kentish Town Forum. Nice! It's been great, really cool. And we're doing Academy One in Manchester, which is both cool venues, both ones we've supported at before and like. You know, really, really nice. I was actually at Kentish Town Forum the other week watching the Lemon Swigs, which was so good. I had someone invited me to go and I couldn't make that show. You couldn't show. make it. And, it. and I played a festival on the same bill as them and our sets were just overlapping. So I was doing, I, I think, I think it was promo was overlapping or something meant that I couldn't right. go and watch them. I, yeah, I've seen them so many times this summer. They're cool as, the album's great. Their live show is is awesome. We've been on like two or three of the same sort of festival bills this year, so yeah. Well, now that you're starting to move on to the idea of new music for a future project, future record, if you were to sit down and listen to your debut now, is there anything you would change about it? Are you still happy with it? Are you? I know I... the reason I ask is because I read somewhere that you had said like you are aware that it won't be your best work, yeah. which I love. I love hearing people say that, like, I'm proud of it, but I hope to better it. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, I, yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of really good songs on my first album. Like, you know, I, I wrote them myself, and, like, if, if I was making the songs now, they would be very different, you know. I'd, I'd put a lot of different ideas into them. doesn't necessarily mean they'd be better, but um, I definitely am a, I'm a different songwriter than I, when I was when I was... 15 when I wrote like two of the songs of the record I wrote when I was 15 years old and I'm only 18 now but like still I'm a very different person very different songwriter it's like yeah I I think now I'm writing the best songs I've ever written and I've just learned so much from it um asking if you could change something if you like you can't and the songs are the way they are because of how I was you know when I was making the when I was making the record between the age of like 15 and 17 and that whole period of time, if it didn't if it didn't exist, if I hadn't made that record, like I, I probably wouldn't feel like I'm writing the best songs now that I've ever written. Like I learned so much from that period of time, from like playing instruments, just to straight up just writing songs. Like it's all it's all it was all like a massive learning curve. So mm. like, yeah, it, I would have done things differently now thinking about it. But if it weren't for that sort of period of time, making the record. I wouldn't be where I am now, so it's like, you know, I, I wouldn't have learnt all the stuff that I've learnt. I guess I understand more what I like about yeah, when absolutely. I write songs and songs that I like. Because um, that's a very simple thing, but it takes a long time to actually figure out. I think there's also an element of figuring out what you enjoy playing live. Before you're like a touring act, you're writing yeah. what sounds good for you in a room, in a studio, and then once you get to tour it, you're like, oh, I love this song live. Yeah, that's that's exactly the case. Like, it's it's... You, you figure out how people react to music as well and it's like, oh, I love that when, when people react in this way to a song and it's like, you want to do that again. You want that, you know, across your whole set. You want, I don't know, all the things that make you feel really good when you're, when you're playing a show because that's what you spend, like, a year or two years, if you're lucky, after an album doing. Like, you know, so you, you really want to enjoy that experience and, and put on a really wicked live show, like, what kind of artist doesn't want to be, like, people say yeah they put on yeah. a really wicked live show and, this and the songs translate really well live like I think it's massive I'm, a, I'm a very aware that your live shows are kind of like the best kind of rowdy like the live show changes so much I've, I think when you're first starting out playing live shows you almost as much like as when you progress and more people are coming to the shows and all that you can kind of 
uh, curate your shows a little bit more and be like, I want my show to look like this. When you're starting out, you just play the songs. Like, that's, that's it. Like, if you can get that done without any problems, like, that's great. Yeah. Like, that's a brilliant show. You know, you can get more picky when you go on and you can have more people in a band and, like, you know, all this stuff. You can you have around the show that isn't just playing the songs. So like you know starting out, the, my first live show was me with an acoustic guitar, and then it was me with an electric guitar and a microcorg and a loop pedal, and like that was it. And I, like you know it was it was I did it because I had to, and I you know I didn't want to be doing that forever because I liked performing. When I was growing up, I was doing sort of um, like drama and like theatrical stuff and I was really into performing and that and I think once I had an opportunity to do a bit more with the show I started thinking about I guess combining like the live shows that I, I that were my favourite that I've ever mm. seen so like seeing St Vincent at Green Man in 2015 when I was about 16 years old yeah that that was like one of them and then seeing Tame Impala and seeing Foles and just all so these sort you, of different live shows that I really love. You pick bits of each and you're like, oh, I love I that. To, aspect. So I saw like St. Vincent and, you know, I That's was like, really I want to do a live show like that. Yeah. It's like choreographed. And what we did with the most recent live show, which we'd never done before, was like we had choreography in the set. Amazing. It was still a rock show. It was still like the majority of the set, set were trying to be, you know, trying to keep it as a, a rock band format. Like, I think that's a really fun way to look at it, even though it's not, you know, rock. I'm just, I'm currently doing the hand, <laughs> rock hand signs with my hands. For the listeners. It's, <laughs> it's not, you know, but like that sort of format where it's, where, where it's like energetic and it's, and it's, you don't really know what's going to happen because I love that. But also having this like, parts of the set where we're all in a certain place and it just feel you feel really mm. powerful on stage when you do that when you're all kind of in sync you know it looks amazing <laughs> as arrogant as it sounds it's like no, it's that not. is su such a such an amazing part as a, as a performer so i wanted to include that i wanted to include you know different ideas and things i'd seen in live shows that i liked and just put it towards because i thought that's how i approach writing songs why should i approach the live show any differently yeah. and it's yeah, I think on the last tour it was really cool we had little platforms we had little bits that we could stand on and go to and like we'd all be in a certain place at the same time and kind of I don't know just figure out these little things and intricacies which are really fun so yeah Amazing. I can babble, but yeah. So I would just love to hear the story of how it all came to be that we're sat here together now. It's kind of you. Well, you loosely. slid into my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, no, but more like bigger than that. You, and mm. knock me down if any of this is wrong, you entered a competition to play at Glastonbury mm -hmm. 2015, maybe? I yes, know. yeah, I think that and was And at it. the end of that, you met record labels as a result of that? Uh, no, actually, that's Declan misconception <laughs> number one. <laughs> Ding! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I, in um, December, no, or late November, slash, I think December we released a video in 2014, I re like released Brazil, which I just made with a friend, and I made a music video with some friends and just put it out. Didn't have any backing or anything. Then, sort of, this, in January, I applied for this Glastonbury Emerging Talent competition along with a, a load of other festivals, just trying to 
do whatever I could because I just liked doing and just to interject stuff. so does that it, yeah. those competitions because I wasn't aware of them so if you enter and the winner gets the opportunity to play at the festival so yeah the, the Glastonbury one was essentially you applied online loads of people applied online they whittled it down to a group who would play a battle of bands and then the winner was chosen there um, but that was until April. I applied in January. Um, by like the end of January, February that year, I was kind of noticing like interest from like you know labels and managements and all those different sort of parts that I wasn't really aware of. Like I didn't, I didn't realise that was going to happen. I hadn't really didn't really understand what all the different sort of pieces to the puzzle were in terms of like a career in <laughs> in mm. like music but I was kind of going along with it because I was like well this is kind of what I want to do so I might as well and so I had a load of meetings and and stuff around that period of time and the, actually the day before so the Glastonbury competition was on I think like the 7th of April or something and I I don't know some point in April and um I like picked a manager out of all these like emailers um well, and had a couple of meetings with different people, like, the day before the Glastonbury competition happened. And after that was kind of when I started whittling down what label I wanted to be. Because there was a lot of different people talking to me, I didn't really know what to do, so I had, like, a manager there and then kind of decided from there. But, um, yeah, I did the Glastonbury competition, I won that, and that sort of... I don't know, it, it wasn't exactly like this massive thing like a lot of the time it gets written as like what I'm best known for but it's not because okay. no one knew who I was then even even I still. guess everyone needs a story and that's like it a was, nice yeah that, that's exactly what it is but um you know I got the chance to play at Glastonbury and it was like a nice little boost and it helped me um I guess move things along a little bit a little bit more but I was still had a lot of time to decide on like the team I wanted around me and like what I actually wanted to do with myself as an artist because I just put a song out like there's so much more behind everything than that which I hadn't really thought of. Did you hear that? Ding! Declan McKenna, Misconception number one. Ding! Yeah, that made me laugh a lot. Why didn't we make more of a thing of it at the time? I don't know, maybe we were keeping it cool. I don't know. What a lovely guy. And here we are at the halftime break. Um, I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you that are, have downloaded and are streaming and taking my new record with you wherever you go. Um, we are gearing up to head out on this tour, so we're heading out across UK, Europe, we're even heading over to America. The next few months are going to be very busy, and I hope that I, um, I see a load of you out there. Yeah, if you're listening to this and coming along, give me a shout on Twitter or something. Tell me to look out for you. Um, it's going to be brilliant. We're going to be playing a mixture of brand new songs from the new record, as well as Housewives' favourites off the first record. Um, yeah, and it's a lot of fun. I'm not just saying this, but it's the me and the band are absolutely loving it. It feels great to be back out. Um, and also playing our own shows. We played a lot of festivals last year, which was great, but we, hadn't, we didn't get the balance of doing our own shows as well, so we're looking forward to that um, a lot. That's going to be great. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to it, go and check it out. Staying at Tamara's. It's a collection of songs that are born from this trip I took to Barcelona where I went and agreed to live with a stranger. I'd lived in their spare room for a month. Um, 
I'll tell you the full story another time, it's a bit weird. But a great place for a record to come from, I think. So I'm very happy with it, let me know what you're thinking, and um, yeah, look at me. I am, as always, doing a ramble. So let's stop that now, George, thank you very much. Let's jump back into the conversation with Declan McKenna. You're vocal with opinions on politics and mm -hmm. uh, society and things going on in the world, mm -hmm. um, which is, I assume, has to be a conscious decision to involve it in your music because there's like, you know, I'm someone that has opinions, yeah. but I've decided quite early on to keep them from my like social media or in songs. Mm. Social media <clears> in particular, because I feel like people kind of expect an opinion from everybody as soon as an event has happened. Yeah. And what I fear is actually like, I, I haven't worked out where I stand on this and yeah. news moves quickly. Have you found a tool that people kind of expect a reaction from you on certain things? Like, oh, Declan's the political mm. one, what, what's he saying? Yeah, absolutely. It's actually made me kind of a bit more that way with social media. I've realised Twitter's not the place to, like... I'm not going to give some, like, eye-opening display on Twitter. Get, I might give a good meme every now and then, but, like, I'm not going to really enlighten someone. Like, I found... I used to always, like, be really vocal on social media about politics stuff that was happening, but I realised I wasn't adding anything to any conversation. Often the best thing you can do is retweet something really good someone said, unless you think of something really, really, really like out there that's actually you think is going to change people's minds. Like, I just don't see the, the point. Like, I, I'm always going to comment on, on things if I'm asked, you know, whatever, politically, uh, my opinions, because I don't really care. I'm, I'm happy for people to know how I feel about about the world and yeah. whatever's going on. But I, um, I found social media is actually... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's it's so... I think it's good for allowing communities and allowing people to discuss certain things, but when it comes to just everyone everyone commenting on, on anything that happens, just to do it and just to be not be the person who, who hasn't said anything, it's like... It just seems very pointless and, like, almost like it's not really providing anything to any, any necessary discussion. So, I yeah, I, I, I've remained fairly vocal. If I have something that I feel is important to say, I'll say it, yeah. but... I don't think social media is necessary, necessarily the place to lay all your... Because it often just starts arguments. Oh, absolutely. And it just doesn't... It doesn't, it doesn't start debates. It starts just, like, no one ever really but changes But it moves so quickly. It's also, even if a debate does spring up, it never ends. It just people move on to the next, like... Yeah. yeah. And I it's think toxic. there's, like, you know, music and politics go hand in hand. I was thinking, coming up to meet you today, I was kind of thinking of, obviously, there's the movement in the 60s in America of music and the mm -hmm. folk singers and the beats and all of that. And then there's Red Wedge in the UK in the 80s and it's, you know, figures in pop culture coming together to say, actually, we have a voice and we're going to use it for something more than just she loves me, she loves me not, you know. Yeah. Is that something you, you aspire to be a part of? Are you Would you like there to be more of a political movement in music? I'd, I'd, I'd love to be able to incite change with... You know, with my platform, I guess you could call it. Like, I'd, I'd love to be able to do that. You know, as I say, I, I don't think Twitter's the place it's going to happen because it's so fast-paced. It doesn't really. But in your songs. But in in, in the songs, <clears throat> I'm not, yeah, a lot of the time I, I express my political opinions, and I think, you know, starting out, especially, it meant people would. I wanted. I like, especially when I was 16, 17, I really wanted to express like 
how I felt about the world mm. and I wanted people to hear it and the best way to do that was with songs. Now I feel like I could just talk and a lot, still a lot of people are listening which is a very strange thing. Um, but like, yeah, I think music is a great platform for it, for, for inciting change, for expressing political opinions and like, you know, I think if you have an opinion and someone shares it as well, it's like, oh, they, they feel a certain connection to that and like, it, it, it's a really nice thing where you can kind of feel, I have to think about like Common People by Pulp, like mm. hearing a song like that, you just get so rallied up and it's like, I feel really connected to this and you're like, ah, oh, you can kind of like, it, it can make you feel really angry, it can make you feel really happy kind of at the same time and like having that connection to a song you love is like really cool. It's an energy It's thing. a really nice, nice energy thing, but at the same time it's hard to know like whether any of my songs are really gonna, you know, change the world. I think it's more about movements than anything else, you know, a whole group and, at the minute, it's like hard to know where that's coming from, and if it's coming from anywhere, you know. It's de I definitely don't think it's massively coming from this sort of indie band scene that I seem to be a part of. But there are political messages and really important stories being told via music. It's just I, I do, yeah. I'd love to be able to see more change. But people are becoming, you know, very awake to to things that are happening in the world. Absolutely. Like I think the thing that I'm not gonna. This isn't me going after anybody in particular. But often I hear music that has a political message, but they've kind of neglected writing a good song. Mm. So like the message is in there, but the song's a bit shit. And I'm kind of like, I, I hear what you're saying, but that's not going to reach people. There has to be like an element of, have you got an ability in... I think, yeah, I think mainly as well with political songs, it's not necessarily it being a catchy tune, even though that's my general angle. <laughs> um, it's all about, that's the... Yeah, it's everyone's I'm going to call the podcast just catchy tunes. Catchy tunes. <laughs> catchy tunes with George. Yeah. I think a lot of it is just... When you hear sort of... Yeah, I, I get what you mean. You hear like a, a sort of political tune, but the, often for me it's like the lyrics are just a little bit like too easy like the, you could almost just you could it's like something your, your dad would say when listening to the news and like you hear songs kind of like that and it's like the, the message kind of gets lost in the cringiness of yeah. that but you'd want something more from it I'm not coming at this from a patronising angle whatsoever I'm only a little bit older than you but it is a mate like when I was your age I was not writing as well as you are now thank you are you yeah, it's right. i mean like are you and you seem very switched on regarding your your writing you're kind of you know like i've, I've bettered myself since last time uh, and mm. I, I hope to keep bettering myself i know you say you started writing when you were about six seven you know yeah very young and has it been continuous since then a constant writing since then i actually have realized recently how strange it is like i've never not written songs about things like, I, I just think about, like, there's so many people that they've never written a song in their life and they don't, it doesn't, you know, it's not an important thing to them. But, like, when I was just very young, I just write songs about whatever. It's like, such it a beautiful be. release. Yeah, it's, like... it's, it's great. And, like, it's just always been a part of my life. It's obviously changed and developed growing up. But, like, I've just always been, like, going to write a song now or whatever when I was, you know, really young and just write a song about whatever, about sports day at school or like just something like you know is whatever. that a genuine example i think i'm pretty sure please try and dig out a recording i need that. to i need to i definitely didn't record it it was probably <laughs> as pre as pre me using my brother's eight track but you know there was i was writing songs about you know a, a number of things happy sad whatever and it was just it's just always been something that's been growing and developing in my life it's yeah I, but i realize that's that's quite strange there's never been 
I, I don't go like I'm gonna write a song. I'm gonna write songs over this period of time. Like it's just constant. It's a constant in your life. And like I think once you start as well, it's like you can't really not not do it anymore because I don't know. Things just come to your head. Yeah, it's not an even if you're not thing. even if you're not sat at home listening to ABBA records. Like oh yeah, we'll nab those chords, which is what I generally do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I was trying to explain to a friend recently. I said like, you do know all music is theft. He was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, like you. You hear something and you go, I want a bit of that, you know? It's like, it all comes from... Oh, I wish I could add a bounce of the song we were working on today, slash last sort of couple of sessions, cos I made the synth, which is so un unforgivingly ABBA, <laughs> and it was just like, it was just perfect, but I don't have one. But, um, yeah, music is, you know, as much as Imitation. you want to make things your own way and do things in a way that suits you, it's like... You have to acknowledge your influences so so much, and people talk about you know copying and like fair enough. There's there's songs out there which are just I don't know. There's no imagination involved in in disguising what's influenced you, but that's kind of the fun of it. It's like finding what's influenced you and kind of throwing it all together, and then just like making sure no one figures it out, like <laughs> because that's that's what everyone's done over time, and like. It's, yeah, you've just got to make stuff that you like, and so why would you not take after stuff that you like? That's exactly <laughs> it. You're trying to... You've got to love the music you're making. It's like someone being really into, you know, like a, a writer being really into comedy, and, you know, you'd, you'd write comedy, and you'd write after... in the, in the style of the, the comedians or the writers who, you, who you've liked before. It's like, you know, anything like that. If you're creating something, you've got to... You have to, I think, you become a better songwriter when you really, really acknowledge what's influencing you. Because when you just try and... You sit with a the guitar, there's nothing in your head. It's like, nothing ever happens. You have to really... You have to acknowledge your influences. You have to think, what would they it's do? It's an important what? part of the creative process. I think there's, like, there's something about wearing your influences on your sleeve compared to imitating your influences. Like yeah. Sometimes something will start to bubble up and it will start to get a bit of attention. And I'll go, yeah, it's good, but it's just a... It, it's just a really good Noel Gallagher impression, or it's just mm. a really good Dylan impression, Abba whoever tributes. it is. Um, when did the ABBA thing start? When did you love thing. that ABBA Well, I've always, I've always, you know, everyone enjoys an ABBA tune at a party. And my drummer fucking hates them, because I know that you're a fan, what? like, I've heard you say it before. Yeah, I about And as soon as I heard you say it, I was like, huh, Why Fabio. does he hate ABBA? I don't know. He, uh, I've, got, I've got just over half of the, the full collection at the minute. Are you going for vinyl? Just here, yeah. I'm trying to get the full collection. I've, they've only got like eight records, I've got like five. I reckon I could flip him. I've got a couple of tunes up my sleeve. Oh, you reckon you, you could change his... I know, I like this idea. If I played... I think if you played specific songs that you wouldn't have heard, you know, off the records rather than the, the big singles, like, I think there's stuff that he would there's, like. There's something that I read that you had said and I kind of felt like I identified with it a lot was you'd said you'd been a fan of music in the sense you'd enjoyed you know you have people you enjoy but you'd never really been a fanboy yeah um, and I get that completely mm. but how has that impacted the way that you've kind of approached your own career yeah it makes me it makes me weirded out by a lot of things I I, I don't know it's like it's it's strange having fans having people who are really into music but also like uh, like, it seems to, seem to really like you as a person. It seems like they want 
the music's kind of an extra bit. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, obviously the music's what draw, draws people into, but it's, it's always very strange for me, you know, um, having known myself my whole life and known all the good things I've done and all the bad things I've done, like, knowing myself being a, a human being and being told by someone, like, you know, it's happened on, on a fair few occasions, it shows that you're, like, the most amazing thing in the whole world and, like, you've done so much for someone. And I think that's amazing, but, like, I just... I find the whole world of like being so so dedicated to someone just alien to me. It's I I, I can't really understand it. It's it's it, it, it's very strange because I just know I'm not like a perfect figure of 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 humanity. Yeah. I know I've done shitty things as much as anyone else. Yeah. It's like you, you just have this. You know, I I know that my music is so so separate from like and how I present myself, you know, how I talk in interviews is so, so separate from, from my daily life and, like, it's, you know, it is a different thing, but... So, yeah, it, it, it's a weird thing, but I've never really... You know, I love some artists, but I wouldn't... I'm, I'm not the kind of person to get starstruck, I'm not the kind of person to get this really, is... really caught up and obsessed with, with anyone. You know, I'd say I'm obsessed with, like, certain artists' music, but, like, I'm, I'm never really at the point where, like... I'd see that above I think being human, like... Mm. With anyone that I love, and I loved, like, I was a fan of things. Yeah, yeah. But I would never have thought to do anything other than just love the records that they'd put out. Well, I can only dedicate my every day to, 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 and, like... Yeah. To and someone, like, I love the tunes, but, like... But also... I can only listen so much. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, and also there's that thing of, like... Is there not other artists you want to... It yeah. seems like some of them are just about one person. Yeah. Some, and you're kind of like, the thing is, I feel like I want to introduce you to some other music because I'm really not the best. Like, you're yeah, like, yeah. You're no, kind of missing out on all this exactly stuff. That's I mean, you know, fair enough to, to anyone who, who loves my tunes because that is an absolutely great yeah, decision. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, but it's, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know. It's... Not something I've ever ever been a part of or understood, but very appreciative of a lot of people being into my tunes. Like that's all, all you can ever really ask for. On like off the back of that conversation, who are the bands when you were you know first falling in love with music? Who was it that you were falling? Was there? I'm trying to think if you're 18 now, what the bands and the sounds were that were going on yeah. when you were like 14, 13, 14. 13, 14. Well, when did was you... when I really, really started falling in love with Jeff Buckley and, like, the Beatles, stuff like that. Um, sort of Dave Bowie as well was a big one. Um, it was... I mean, I've had lots of different influences from growing up and, like... I, I do often change my taste. I don't change my taste, but I, like, get into new stuff and it's different. Um, I'm sure you're aware of that you for yourself. Um, not, <laughs> yeah, me. not me. <laughs> I'm sure you know that. Really about like <laughs> no, uh, I think I mean more. Like I'm aware of like the big names that you like. 1314. I first got into Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Nice. That's like one of. And did you have friends that and, like, were into the same? Was there like yeah, a scene? Like, not really. Like the biggest in the way of scenes that I've ever really appreciated with music was from my older brothers who were into like. The Mystery Jets and the Maccabees and, and, and like, the Golden Silvers and... Not Golden the, Silvers! Golden Silvers. That record is amazing. So good. I've been listening to it a lot recently. Because oh. um, I just... I realised I'd heard Arrows of Heroes and True Romance 
and hadn't, and hadn't listened to anything else. So I, I was like, I'm going to go to that re again because they're so good. I link that to, I had a girlfriend when I was like 18, 19. So I was like, hey, have you heard this album? Have you heard this band? <laughs> oh man. Putting that, putting that move is such a, is such a bold one. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, trying to, try to step up to someone like, have you heard this band or like, uh, I'll make you a playlist. Oh no, like, we were already together proper, though. Like, it was like oh, a bit okay, more like that's a, all right. Oh, what, you like that? Yeah, 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 you'll love this. It was more, um, something I would love to ask you actually, um, what are your favorite bits about touring? Is it something that you love to do? Yeah, yes and no. Like, to, you know, touring can be great, touring can be really shit. Like, I'm very prone to just getting ill and stuff. Like, which isn't very fun, because you spent, I spent, especially the last tour actually was the most ill I can recall being on tour. Not like throwing up, but my throat had just gone. And like, we had this one show in Birmingham where I was just like, my face just felt super hot and I was struggling. Even when I'm ill, like I'll drink loads of like throat tea and like, you know, do all my warm ups and I'll be all right. And I'll get on stage and I'll have massive placebo and be all right. Like, it, you know, it'll feel, It'll feel fine. That was like the one show where that just didn't happen for me. And I just felt I could feel it the whole show. I was like really ill. So like, there's massive ups and massive downs like on tour. Like, you know, sometimes play, play shows and they're, they're incredible. And you have these amazing experiences on the road, just going to places or, or going, to, going out at night or, you know, when you're driving or whatever. But equally, those experiences can be... Can be as bad as anything mm. and it's like when you're not don't have the security of being at home being able to go home it can be amplified really like quite a lot and having to actually work the next morning or whatever or keep or keep going like in a certain way you know it, it, it it's a massive shift generally i like playing shows it's just you know it's it is often the same thing every night and like you do try and keep it fresh for yourself by changing things up every time you play a show but like it's not why i do music I do music for the outlet and for the creative side and you know making something that's that's really cool that you really mm. like is like the main reason for doing doing it but performing can be can be great it's just yeah I think most bands or artists or whatever who tour will say that like touring is such a up and down thing it's something that I was a bit uh, worried about after I'd done about three or four episodes of this podcast every single person I spoke to who said the exact same thing and everyone ends it by saying it's brilliant overall like it's mm. it's a privilege Glad to do I've it been able to do it yeah. yeah but I think yeah it's just a common thread and I think it's uh I think what yeah the, and mental health is another thing that people have touched on is that yeah. kind of it's a weird existence it um, is uh but yeah it's 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 it nice. can feel very hollow. It can feel like you're not going anywhere. Like you know, uh, I, when really you're going fucking everywhere. Well, you're doing ev you're going everywhere and, and doing everything, and it's like, but at the same time you're like, I'm not being productive. Like you'll criticize yourself. You know, you'll be like, I'm not making any songs. I'm not doing all this stuff that I said I'm going to do. But you are doing so much. Like you just don't think about it, and you're like you get super exhausted. It's just like you don't really acknowledge that you're doing a lot because you're you're. You're playing ultimately the same show every night, so it's like this weird contradiction. Uh, yeah, is ultimately quite exhausting. <laughs> I'm going to pay you another compliment. Go on. <laughs> Go 
My ego's racing. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, cooking dinner at my place the first time I listened to What Do You Think About The Car. Mm. Um, Great was... record. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> Almost as much fun as the Polaroid once. <laughs> um, um, I was listening to the record... And I felt like, okay, this is a name that's going to be constant throughout my life in music. I feel like, I was like, okay, he, this isn't just a, a, th- a one thing. Declan's going to be doing stuff for a long time. And who knows in what capacity, who knows in what... But it felt like it was a real outlet for you, creativity. And do you have any idea of it, whether that's right or wrong? I don't know. Um, but do you I, have, hmm. like, an idea of what you'll be doing in the future? Are records where you see yourself or do you see yourself branching into other things as well i i want to keep making songs like i i don't know i don't see myself as much of a producer type or engineer or anything like that but i want to keep writing songs and like i don't know whether i'm going to be an artist in myself as declan mckenna as i have been you know for the past couple of years uh forever but I just want to keep making things, making songs and like writing. I think, you know, the more the more and more I do it and try out different things with music, the more I think the the, the, the thing I enjoy the most is it's just the basic, you know, when you can sit down with a guitar or whatever and actually make something that you really like and then turn that idea into something massive and some, something really big and keep expanding your, your ideas for the whole process. I think just that... It, it, it very much caters to my attention span, <laughs> which isn't very long, often. Um, Same. That's <laughs> why I fucking love Disney films, because it's like, <laughs> this is the perfect length. <laughs> it's just like an hour and ten minutes of absolute joy. Yeah. Like, brilliant. But, like, yeah, I, I, I you know, whether... I, I don't know whether I'm going to be touring forever. I'd like to you know, get to a point where I can kind of choose what what I'm doing with myself rather than doing it to live. <laughs> like, you know, that that would be lovely. Wouldn't I mean wouldn't we all? But um yeah, I'd like to see myself just constantly staying staying on the creative side of things, writing and whatever that has with it, whether that's with other people, whether that's for myself. Like I think that's where where I'm at my at my strongest and not uh, you know, virtuoso like musician or anything, but I think I'm always constantly learning and getting better at writing songs and making things. And I think that's that's where where my place is within music. Now, if I were to say to you um, that we were going to sign off the podcast now and say goodbye, what message would you like to end it on? But it can be about the camera. You're more than welcome to talk about the Polaroid camera. The what? The the Polaroid one step two. <laughs> <laughs> Cut it. That's it. <laughs>
So here we are, the end of yet another episode, and what a treat to have Declan along for the ride. Thank you very much, Dec, if you're listening. Um, I'm hoping to record some more episodes soon. I've still got one or two left from the stockpile, so keep an eye open, keep your ears open. There'll be a few more dropping soon. And if you haven't already, go and check out previous episodes. There's there's something to learn from each of them, I think. They're really amazing chats. I've, I've, it's been a privilege to be a part of this. Um, and thank you to you for downloading and pressing play and taking this little chat along with you wherever you are. As always, a huge thank you to Warren Borg for editing this conversation together and the lovely Ocean Griffin for sorting out the um, podcast graphics that you will have seen um, on the World Wide Web. And a huge thank you to Mr. Josh Sanger and the Closer Artist team for helping put this all together. Of course, a thank you to Declan. Uh, that was amazing. Thank you, mate. And... Ta-da! Thank you to all of you. Whatever you are doing today, I hope it's great. I hope it's lovely. Keep on smiling. Don't go changing. And I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Turn your distractions off and discover your new favorite podcast. This is Bose Recommends. Hi, guys. I'm Nat Coombs from the NFL show with Nat Coombs. Yep, that was a title that took us hours to come up with. We're thrilled to be involved with Bose Recommends because, frankly, we are having a great time making this show. We drop episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, and the clue is very much in the title. We're all about the NFL. I'm joined each episode by terrific guests from both sides of the pond, players past and present, journalists, comedians, writers, you name it. They love NFL, they're in. So what are you waiting for? Get involved. Acast, iTunes, all your favorite podcatchers. It'll be good to have you with us. Enjoy your new favorite podcast without distractions. Discover how at Bose.co.uk. Bose. Focus. On.